Hi, I'm Karen Osborne, and this is Living in the Sandwich Zone, a place where each week we talk all things parenting, caregiving, juggling life, and reclaiming joy. Hi, this is Karen Osborne. Welcome back to Living in the Sandwich Zone. You know, I'm a big fan of quotes. I find a lot of inspiration and insight in various quotations that I come across. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that the majority of my feed is made up of various inspirational quotes that usually have something to do with what's happened to me that day. There's a quote by Rumi that says, the wound is the place where the light enters you. And this past Saturday marked two years since we received the devastating call that our daughter was contemplating ending her life. And so much has happened in the last two years. But what I really want to focus on today is where I am today and how I can look back now and see some of the wins in the wounds that I have sustained over the last two years, and also highlight some of the lessons I've learned along the way as well. What I know is without the devastatingly painful challenges that I have endured over the last two years, I would not be here doing this podcast. I know that with certainty. I would not have formed some of the most dear and valuable friendships with virtual strangers that I connected with online during this pandemic that now I talk to or text with on on almost a daily basis as we encourage and support one another on our respective journeys. When all of this hit the fan two years ago, there were so many days that I did not think I was going to survive. I didn't think my child was going to survive. I didn't think that I would be able to make it from day to day. And somehow, some way, here I am in a different place with a different perspective and a different appreciation for life and all that it has in store. It's really hard to believe that it's been two years. In fact, a friend of mine texted me on Saturday the 5th and, you know, remarked that this must be a really tough day for me. And I will tell you that, and I think this is sort of a blessing, when I first read the text, I was like, what's she talking about? And then it hit me because she put it in the context of, Having listened to your podcast, I think this is the anniversary of a very tough day for you. And then I put two and two together and realized that in, in the first episodes of my podcast, I shared that February 5th was the day that we had received the call from our daughter's school, letting us know that she was contemplating suicide. And really... I am astonished and I'm super grateful that that wasn't the first thing I woke up thinking about on Saturday. If you rewound the years 
back to February of 2020, I don't think I would have ever contemplated not thinking about that day and marking it in my head as such a devastatingly painful anniversary. So to to have come this far and to feel like there has been distance put between that day and today where I am not all consumed by thinking about that day and reliving that day in my head, that's how I know I've made a lot of progress. I don't know that I would have believed it if someone had told me back in February of 2020 that I'd ever get to this place. But what I want you to know is that if you are at your equivalent of my February 5th, 2020 moment, just know that there is the possibility that there will be a time where you are not living the way that you're living now. Sometimes just holding on to the possibility is all you have. Hold it, cling to it, and believe that something different is possible. You know, in the process of trying to climb out of the darkness and despair that I had landed in when everything came crashing down, one of the things that I was encouraged to do and to focus on was a gratitude practice when I was really, really low. A practice to take stock of everything that I had to be thankful for. And in doing so, I could see that I have and had a lot to be grateful for. I have so much to be grateful for in the way that a lot of things have unfolded with not only our daughter, but with my parents, my dad, over the last couple of years. Although the pandemic has really added an overlay that has magnified stressors in so many ways, one of the things that I'm supremely grateful for is that in this time of extreme crisis, it allowed my husband and I to be home with our kids in this very, very volatile time in our lives. Really, it's, it's, I don't know how I did it. How I don't know how I managed to juggle work during all of this. For the preceding many months before Lenny really broke down, I was working full time. I was doing trials. I was, you know, at my office every day. I was seeing clients. I was traveling to see clients, resulting in me being gone for, you know, two or three days at a time every now and then. And I don't even know how I was able to get through working and trying to manage things as it became more and more evident that Linz was struggling emotionally. And now, to be quite honest, I don't know how, going forward, I'm going to be able to manage it. You know, it's, it's wild. I think we as a society are just so hell-bent on do, do, do all the time and not slowing down and not stopping. And it's always about cranking more stuff out and this relentless productivity. But when the rubber meets the road, like your baby in crisis happens, everything comes to a screeching halt. And now I know I can never go back 
to doing what I was doing the same way again. It's not possible because I'm not the same person anymore. Since everything happened, I haven't gone back to work. There's definitely a part of me that feels irreparably changed and somewhat broken, I guess, because of the loss of identity. I've been doing what I've been doing as a lawyer for, you know, over a quarter of a century. It's part of my identity. It's, I think, part of who I've been in the world for so long. So it definitely does feel like a huge piece of me is gone. It's also really challenging to be so fully immersed in caregiving and not having the outlet of work for the distraction, for the mental stimulation, for the adult interaction, all of those things, the workplace camaraderie, there is a huge loss there. So it definitely does feel like a huge piece of me is gone. And not having that makes being in the thick of the caregiving experience even that much more intense. But also, I think that the experience has sort of cracked me open. This is where the wound has let the light in. I'm finally willing to open my eyes to the fact that I don't want to to go back to the way it was. You know, it's interesting that the, what are they calling it? The great resignation. So many people as a result of the pandemic have cataclysmically reevaluated their life and their priorities. And I'm one of them. And I'm going to say that I knew that the seeds of discontent were there job-wise long before all of the crisis happened, long before the pandemic, long before our daughter got deep into struggle. I have been, I have been grappling with waning job satisfaction for a long time. There are aspects of my job that I love and I love my client relationships. I love being able to be a source of humanity in a very toxic system. I love being an advocate. I love being in trial. But the clarity I have had as a result of all that I've been through in the last two years makes me realize that maybe it's time for this chapter to close. Maybe it's time for a change and that I can't afford to wait any longer to make that change. There's a part of me that knows that there's something more and something different that I should be doing in my life. But change is hard, especially at a time in life where you have two young people that are getting ready to go to college. And, you know, for me, I've done the same thing in the same job for my entire career. So there's a little bit of feeling pigeonholed. And then I think especially in this climate, in this economy. It's just foolish to walk away from a reliable paying job, good benefits, earning more service credit toward my pension. It feels almost counterintuitive to be thinking of making such a pivot at this point. And then on the other hand, I say to myself, if not now, when? A while ago, I was texting with a friend of mine It was kind of the normal exchange. Hey, how you doing? What's happening? How's work? And she responded that she wasn't feeling so great and inferred that if it was something catastrophic like cancer, then she'd be able to quit her job. 
And that just broke my heart. It broke my heart. It's just so tragic that I think a lot of us are just stuck in this rut of doing what we're doing, even though it's not making us happy, because it's what we are accustomed to doing and what we should be doing. So on the other hand of all of this, I think, if not now, when? When am I going to do something and make that turn and pivot towards something that really lights me up? And I think everything has a season. Everything has a season in life. My job for me blossomed for many seasons. I just feel like the time has come to make a change. So, you know, you're going to be on this ride with me as I try to figure out what that is. There is that concept of the golden handcuffs, right? Where you feel like you've just put in so much time and so much effort and so much energy that you just want to max out all of your benefits and get the best retirement package and That whole avenue of thought just works to shut down any chance of embracing the possibility that there's something that could be better and different and new. And while those handcuffs have hamstrung me for many, many years, I do know that deep, deep down in my soul, I know that there's something else that I'm supposed to be doing. That's one of those those perspectives that I think that this wound has shined some light on is really taking a hard look at what's next for me in terms of my career. In addition to really looking at my career in new light, the last two years have taught me a lot of lessons and I've learned so, so much. I just want to give you some of the highlights of the lessons that I have learned and the wisdom of the wounds that have happened in the last two years. I have learned to accept and to ask for help. And this has been something that I have not done well my entire life. I think I have prided myself in being self-sufficient, being able to do everything myself. And I viewed that as um, as a symbol of strength and independence with everything that's happened. One of the big lessons that I learned is that neither I nor anyone else can do life on their own. As humans, we are meant to rely on and interact with and lean on each other. And so that has been definitely something that I have integrated into my new me. I've had to ask for help. It hasn't been easy. It's taken a lot of courage, I suppose, for me and humility. I think that I have always been so much better at giving than receiving. So it's kind of like my giving muscle was really overdeveloped and my receiving muscle was really atrophied and flabby. I've done a better job at asking for and receiving help. I've learned that holding in my emotions and not talking about the pain that I've been experiencing makes everything harder. I definitely feel like talking, whether it's to a friend, whether it's to a therapist, whether it's in this podcast, 
it helps. It helps process feelings. It helps release and vent and valve things that are bottled up inside. Having a good therapist is invaluable. We have been blessed in our family to connect with some extraordinary, compassionate service providers. My therapist is, I can't even find words to tell you what a gem and an angel she has been for me during these last several years. I grew up in a household where there wasn't a big belief in therapy. And so I had to overcome that personally. And thankfully I have. And I have made a lot of efforts to find somebody that I click with. And my therapist is unbelievable. I call her Yoda because she's like the most wise woman on the planet. She's just, she's amazing. I have really, really learned the value of slowing down. You know, like I was talking about with work earlier, we're such, we're habituated to operate at such a frenetic pace that it just never gave me a chance to slow down and feel my feelings and really be still and listen for my intuitive inner guidance. So in addition to slowing down, I learned that there's great relief to be found in stillness. Along those same lines, the difficulties I've faced over the last two plus years have really reinforced and reminded me of the value of meditation. I started a meditation practice back in about 2013. And, you know, I've been on and off, sometimes really good at it, and sometimes not so much. What I really saw in the last two years was how incessant and relentless my thoughts were at all hours of the day and night. And meditation for me was a way to calm my mind. So for a lot of people, people think that meditation, the purpose of meditation is to stop your thoughts. And that's not it. That's not it at all. So meditation is just a way to acknowledge your thoughts, recognize them and let them go, and then to foster and cultivate slow, quiet periods where your mind can kind of just exhale, if that makes any sense. The goal is not to stop the thoughts. The goal is to sort of sink down beneath the thoughts to the quieter places in your mind. The analogy that was really helpful for me was that the waves at the top of the ocean are like your thoughts. And no matter what you do, you're never going to stop them. You're not going to be able to stop the waves. But what you know is that at the deep, 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 dark bottom of the ocean, it's still and it's quiet and it's peaceful. And so my meditation practice helps me to drop down into that more still, quiet, peaceful place. Another thing I learned is that unlike the way I was able to do it as a brand new mom, I cannot function effectively when I'm sleep deprived. The importance of getting quality sleep really, really became evident during the last two years. And it has been something that has been difficult for me to do. And I still cannot say that I'm sleeping like I would like to sleep. That one is, that one's, that one's a work in progress, but I'm, I'm working on it. In the last two years, 
the very biggest lesson I learned has to do with listening, especially when talking to my daughter when when she's been in, you know, places of of real despair, is that the best way that I can support her or anybody having an emotional point in their life is to listen way, way, way more than I talk. I have found this to be true with my kids, and I've found it to be true for myself when I am in need of expressing and sharing my emotions with others. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is when talking to someone who is in a place of emotional distress, don't offer advice or try to fix it and propose a solution. Don't say what you would do if the tables were turned and you were in their shoes. Don't minimize it and say, oh, well, you should be grateful because it could be a lot worse or you should just be happy to be alive. That doesn't help. That just does not help. The big thing that I've learned is to just listen. As uncomfortable as it may be, as painful as it is to do, to just listen and hold space and allow the person to share their feelings. And on top of that, to validate those feelings and really let the person know that they've been heard. That's the best way to hold and help and support someone. As I look back on the last two years, I can't believe how much I've learned about myself, about others, about surrendering and accepting that I can just do the best that I can do. And as I look back, I see that I've done that as best I could along the way. There's another quote that I like as well that says, obstacles are detours to get you going in the right direction. My hope is that the obstacles that I have faced over the last two years will help be my detour to move in a more positive direction. I'm Karen Osborne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, and share it with a friend. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, one of the best ways you can support me is rating and reviewing the podcast there. You can follow me on Instagram at karen.e.osborne. That's O-S-B-O-R-N-E. Or if you want to become an insider, a club sandwich member, click the link in the show notes and join my private Facebook group. Until next time, remember to add yourself to your caregiving list and take a moment today and do something that brings you joy.